Thank you all for leading us as we continue to pray for Andy as he recuperates at home. We thank you for stepping in, Peter, and leading us uh, in worship today. Let's pray together. Our good and our faithful Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your true and living, alive word that falls like rain. We thank you, Lord, that your word accomplishes the purpose, the purposes that you sent it forth for. And Lord, now as we stand in this room in honor of your word, we come to you with hungry and humble hearts. Lord, we come asking you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask you, Lord, to give us tender hearts that would receive the seed of your word like fertile soil. God, give us feet that would walk quickly to do your will. Make our hands strong, Lord, that our work in this world would be as your very own. Lord, we pray that a word of life and hope would be found on our lips. And now, in a spirit of prayer, hear the word of the Lord from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers constantly Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became, and you became, and you became, let's say that together, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For in spite of persecution, receive the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report about what kind of welcome we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. I'm talking to my mother on the phone quite a lot these days, more than I have in a number of years. I've always loved visiting with mom, but we're, we're talking every day now. And, and I began to notice that the pattern of my speech 
sometimes and quite frequently I will ask my mother, what became of so-and-so? Mom, what became of Squirrel McKee that I went to high school with? Mom, what became of fill-in-the-blank Sunday school teacher that loved me so much when I was a kid? Whatever became of, whatever became of, this is the stuff of small-town talk. Do you ever ask people that you are reconnecting with, whatever became of? Let's hear a hearty amen if you have. Of course, whatever became of. You see, I want to know what occurred in the life of a person between the time I left town and the time of that conversation with my mother. What processes, what events, what things have molded and shaped them? Where are they now? What became of? Mama, whatever became of. Uh, you see, becoming is one of the great issues of life. One of the great and powerful issues of life. Last week when we began this message series from 1 Thessalonians, we, we were reminded, we were taught that when we welcome the Word of God, the Word of God works in us. And today we go to the first paragraphs of this little epistle and we see very, very clearly that when we welcome the word of Christ, the word of Christ works in us to make us become what God wants us to be. 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 10 is about becoming about becoming what God wants us to be, becoming who God wants us to be. In, in these 10 verses, these short little collection of verses, we see both the basis for becoming what God wants us to be, and we see something of the building blocks. Uh, we see the beginning, we see the starting place, and we see some of the, the major elements of becoming what God wants us to be. So today, as we again welcome the word of the Lord, let's welcome the word of the Lord with an eye toward becoming what Christ would have us be, looking both at the basis for becoming and the building blocks. Let's start with the basis for becoming. The basis for becoming what Christ wants us to be is welcoming the word of the Lord. And you see in these verses something of a pattern. The first, there's the introduction of the word. There's the entry of the word. There's the word coming into human lives through flesh and spirit. Paul said of the people who would become known as the church of the Thessalonians that the word came to them, and he described it twofold. He said, our word came to you. Paul, Silas, Timothy... They came declaring the wonderful deeds of God. They came declaring the, the glad tidings of the Lord. They came telling the story of creation and corruption and Israel. They came proclaiming Christ and Christ crucified. They came talking about the blessed hope in the future and how God was at work reconciling to himself. They came telling the story. And the word comes through men and women. People like Paul and, and Silas and Timothy. People like the men and women that brought the word to you. 
It might have been a grandmother or a grandfather. It might have been a Sunday school teacher or a coach. It might have been a friend from high school or college. But somehow, someway, if you walk with Christ, the word came to you through a person or people. And the word came to these people through other people. But that's not the end of it. Because it, it wasn't as if they were selling Melaleuca products or Amway or opportunities to have a, a timeshare in Florida. It wasn't just a transaction between one human to another. There was something deeper and richer. There was something, there was something wonderful about this. C.S. Lewis would call the gospel the deep magic. There was something wondrous about it because it didn't come to them, Paul says, in word only. But through the Holy Spirit, with much assurance and conviction. You see, when the, the message of Christ, when the word of Christ is faithfully shared, it's a human yet divine act. God is at work in this world, reconciling men, women, and boys and girls to himself. God is at work. The Lord is the great hound of heaven coming for what is his. The gospel is God taking back what belongs to him. And God is at work. And the basis for becoming what God wants us to be starts with the intrusion, the entry of the word that is a word of flesh and spirit. It is a word of women and men who love Jesus and the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The beginning is the coming of the word. And the word came to them. And the word yet comes. And the word abides this moment and this day. And it is a word of flesh and spirit. And they, verse 6, received the word. The word came to them, and they received the word. They welcomed the word into their lives. And Paul was very clear, Silas and Timothy, very clear how they welcomed the word. They said, you welcome the word in persecution and affliction and also the joy of the Holy Spirit. You see, if it's faulty from the start, it'll fizzle before the finish. And so many people, so many people have a faulty understanding of what it means to receive the word of Christ in their life. That seed that's planted that brings eternal life. And sometimes we proclaim the message in, in very faulty ways. We, we tell people, if you sign this card, all of your wildest dreams will come true. You will be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And that type of stuff inoculates us from the real thing. We get just enough to keep from catching the whole thing. And Paul was clear from the beginning. 
that the word came to them in trouble. In the midst of trouble. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. And that great American philosopher, Travis Tritt, spelled it out for us all. <laughs> in this world you'll have trouble. And the gospel comes in the midst of trouble. And with it, the joy of the Holy Spirit. There is a sacred place where joy and sorrow meet. And that sacred place is the bedrock ground and the basis for your becoming who and what Christ wants you to be. When the word came to them, they received it in trouble and in joy. And here's the process continuing. In verse 9, it said they turned from idols to serve the true and the living God. They turned away and they turned toward. I saw Bob Dylan play in Mobile back when I was in college. And when he came out at the end and sang, It's Midnight Down in Mobile, they went crazy. And he scratched out that song. You got to serve somebody. You got to serve some. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. You see, I think we think we can, we can claim neutrality in life, that we can claim our free agency. That, that I, I'm a free agent. I'm neutral. I'm, I'm uncommitted. I handle things in my own way. It's the great libertarian lie. Because you've been made to serve somebody. And serve somebody you will. And the people that were, that were part, would become part of the church of the Thessalonians. They were serving before the word came, and they were serving idols. They were putting all of their ultimate hopes and all of their dreams and all of their daily needs at the altar of the idols. And with a pinch of incense, they were saying, help us, please, help us, please. Let us get through life. And you say, Matt, I don't have any idols at my house. I've never had them. Really? Really? We're a little bit more sophisticated. We would never slay an animal. We buy all of our dead meat at the grocery store distanced from it cleaner tidier away but every now and then we've laid down prostrate before our 401k from time to time we've asked social acceptance to make us okay every now and then we've wanted another person to fill in all of the needs of our life Oh, the idols have different names. But idols abound. Idols abide. They haven't gone away. And they're not likely to. The labor union that is the idols, the idol union, they got a pretty good contract. And they're here to stay. You're not firing them. But you can turn from them. And in turning from them, the only way to be free of them 
is turned to something true and living. Something deeper and wider. Something more real. To turn from an idol is only to turn to another one unless you turn to the true and living God. And many times in this world, what people do is they manage idols. They trade them in one for another like you trade used cars. And you end up playing a life of whack-a-mole. Boom, one down, here comes another one. Boom, one down, here comes another one. You can turn away and you can turn to. Perhaps one of the greatest images, by the way, theologically, that's called repentance. You remember that old word? We're dusting it off this morning. Uh, in literature of, of recent, the most beautiful image of repentance that I have seen was written by Jasmine Ward in her novel, Salvage the Bones. It's not a Christian novel, but the scene of repentance that she has in it of turning from and turning to is so lively and wonderful that I want to share it with you. Uh, the, the narrator and the protagonist of the book is a young girl named Esh takes place in a poor little community on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, uh, right ahead of Hurricane Katrina. Everyone knows a big storm's coming, and they're getting ready. They're making preparations. They're trying. But in the midst of preparing for a hurricane, you also have to live your life, and there's other things going on. And, and Esh is a teenage girl, and there's a lot going on. And, and she's in love with a young man named Manny, but that didn't stop every young man in her neighborhood from being in love with her. And so she was courting Manny, as all the boys were pursuing her. And she talked about how she could keep her eyes solely on Manny as everybody turned in her direction. She said, I either shrug and pretend like I don't hear Marquise or Franco or Bone or any of the other boys when they hint. They ask and I walk away because it feels like I'm walking toward Manny. You see, we'll only be able to walk away from our idols when we feel in our heart of hearts that we are walking toward Jesus. This is the basis for our becoming who and what Christ wants us to be. It's turning from all the false options and narratives and idols and turning to Christ the true and the living way. That's the basis for becoming. And when we start there, when we receive his word and when we come to him, and those are synonymous things, when we start there, when we have our beginning in place, then God begins to build our lives and shape us into the people that he wants us to be. I was with Meredith the other day as she was getting her kindergarten classroom ready for a new year. Kindergarten classrooms are magical places. I love the way number two lead pencils smell when they're freshly sharpened. I love the smell of construction paper. Uh, I really love school from the beginning to the end. And I loved those early days of school. I love the way a crayon smells. She has a rabbit in the end of the, the room in the corner. I do not like the way the rabbit smells. But the rabbit is cool. And in that, it's a magical place. It's a magical room. And, and I'm looking around that room and, and the other day, and I'm daydreaming, and I'm helping her fix things up and, and put things away. And, and I notice there's just these little these blocks everywhere. 
I mean, the windows are boxed out. The, the bookshelves are boxed out. The, the books are, are like little squares, little rectangular uh, boxes, and there are actual building blocks in there teaching kids how to put things together. And, and there's, there's four sharp corners on those blocks, and there's, there's four lines that come together, and, and there's this powerful foreness of building up. And in 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 to 10, you get a powerful foreness. You get four sharp points that come together to make a building block of a life that God would have us live. And I want you to think about that as we examine them together. The first little point is that when the word works in us, we become, get this, this will blow your mind. When the word works in us, we become Christians. Oh, not Christians like Christians are Rotarians. Christians in the noun and verbal sense. Christians in the, in the identity sense. Christians in the core of our being sense. Paul says, you became imitators, verse 6, of us. Who is us? The people in Christ before them. The microculture that was the church. They would become the church of the Thessalonians. And they began by, by imitating and watching those who were in Christ before them. And this powerful culture of the church made them a people. It was the goals and the beliefs and the values and the attitudes and the practices of those that were in Christ before, of people like Paul and Silvanus and Timothy and all the rest that are unnamed. It was the stuff of that culture as they imitated that, as the word entered their life that made them Christian. I remember when I was a teenager, my grandmother invited me to come down and, and say a little word of devotional in her Sunday school department. Now, this is the biggest gig I've ever had in my life. If Ralph West called me tomorrow and said, Matt, come on down to Houston and preach at the church without walls, I wouldn't be nearly as nervous as I was going into my grandmother's Sunday school department at the 15th Avenue Baptist Church because she ruled that basement. I remember that morning being down there in that church and, and she, was, she was gathering the people together, men and women everywhere, and they were coming into the big department and they were doing the prayer requests and they were taking up the offerings. Back in those days, you took the offering up in Sunday school and everybody paid attention. My grandmother sure did. They did the offering, they sang a song. Lord, I want to be a Christian. That upright piano was playing. All the people were saying, Lord, I want to be a Christian. When they got through singing that song, I thought to myself, that's a weird song. All these people have been Christians for years. But they sang it with such sincerity. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. Lord, I want to be more loving in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be more holy in my heart, in my heart. My grandmother said, I've always loved that song. And from that day forward, I started loving that song. It was written in the 1750s by slaves in Virginia. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart. You see, when the Word, when the Word enters your life, when you welcome the Word and the Word works, you become a Christian, not on a label, but in your heart. And the last stanza of that song put a fine point on it and said, Lord, I want to be like Jesus. 
in my heart. And that's the second little sharp point on that building block. When we welcome the word, we not only become Christians, but we become Christ-like. He said, you have become imitators of us and the Lord. You might want to go back in this text and underline and. There's no more important and in all of the Bible. When we imitate Christians, we want to make sure those are the Christians that are imitating the Lord. He said, you imitated us and the Lord. Jesus says, when his word abides in us, we will bear fruit. The word says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These characteristics are the character of Christ. When God builds a life, he builds a life to look like Christ. He builds a, a life to be truly Christian. And then you keep going. The third sharp point is when the word works in us, we become examples, verse 7. He said, you became examples to those who are in Macedonia and Achaia and in other places. Concrete situations, real people, real place and time. There is no kind of weird Scientology hierarchy here. There is not a permanent upper class and then the rest of us are just always following. When we imitate others who are imitating Christ, there comes a point in the journey where we become people that others will imitate and we become examples to others. You say, I don't want that kind of responsibility. That's too much. That seems a little arrogant and self-confident. There's no other option. We are examples. We will just be Christ-like Christian examples or we'll lead in other ways. But we will be examples. And he said, you became an example as God built you into Christ-like Christians. You were an example to those people in Macedonia and Achaia. Peter McLeod used to stand in this pulpit and say, the word must become concretized. Meaning it must be real in the world. And the word becomes real in the world when it's lived out in our lives. We become examples. And the last one, when the word works in our lives, we become witnesses. Verse 8, the word of the Lord sounded forth from them. It rang out like a song. They declared with their life the saving deeds of Jesus. One of the most mangled quotes in the history of the church is the one often attributed to Francis of Assisi. Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. The major problem with that quote is that it's very likely Francis never said it. <laughs> he was a guy who preached to birds and wolves. Of course he used words. And he used them lavishly. Lavishly. It's kind of like saying, feed the hungry at all times, and when necessary, use food. <laughs> God would have us sound forth the gospel. You see, when you, when you have the word in your life, and the word is building your life, and you're a Christian in your heart, and you're Christ-like in concrete ways, and you're an example you will have opportunities to give a reason for the hope that is within you. Because your life will be 
an occasion for small town gossip. It was for this church. Paul, Paul said in verse 9, hey, they've been talking about y'all. The word's out. People have been saying, what happened to those people over there? I was in Bible school one time. We were doing the story of Zacchaeus, and I asked the kids, what happened to Zacchaeus? Little kid, Jesus happened to Zacchaeus. <laughs> Greatest answer I've ever heard. Jesus hand, happened to these people. The word of Christ was welcomed in their life. And that word got out because the word was at work in making them become what Christ wanted them to be. So, what's the gossip about us? Have people heard about us like they heard about these folks? About the warm entry of the gospel into our lives? about the lively work of the way of truth in our lives, about how we're like Christ. What's become of us, friends? What's become of us? What's becoming? Have you welcomed the word of Christ? It is the basis for life with God. Have you welcomed the word? Are you welcoming the word today? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for being who you are. We're grateful that you do what you do. We thank you for your life-giving word, the true and the living way. Lord, we thank you that you build our lives. We thank you that in Christ we can become all that you have created us and are redeeming us to be. Lord, I pray as you work in our hearts that we will reflect more accurately who you are in real place, in real time, among real people. Lord, I pray as we stand and sing that if there's someone in this room that has never surrendered their life to you, they've never opened their life to you and received your truth, I pray that they would respond. Lord, there are people here that have come to the place in their journey where they believe that this is the church that they need to be faithfully part of to worship and to share life and to serve. I pray, Lord, that they would come. Or if there's anyone here that just has a special need for prayer, Lord, I pray that they would come. For all of us, Lord, I pray that we come to an altar of surrender where we say to you, work Holy Spirit, work in us and make us become what Christ wants us to be. Lord, we love you and we thank you for loving us. We pray in Christ's name. Friends, stand and let's sing. And if the Lord has led you to make a public surrender today, we invite you to come as we sing the great hymn of faith. Peter? Peter?